0: Welcome to Fluent and Bravo. I'm your host and Bravo super fan, Angela Carlson. Join me every week to recap various shows from the Bravo verse and deep dives into pop culture and entertainment news. Now let's get to it. Hello and thank you for joining me for the Real Housewives of Orange County Season 1, Episode 5 recap. Cut the pee and lem out of the problem, and you get Rob. This is the worst episode title in the history of housewives and i know that this is technically only the fifth episode that ever aired on bravo of a real housewives franchise but it bad it bad because the entire time i watched this episode twice i don't know what this title means cut the p and Lem out of problem and you get Rob. no one got robbed there is no rob i don't know where this title came from moving on If you find the Rob, let me know. My email is fluentinbravo at gmail.com. So let me know. Peacock description of this episode is Gina's son breaks his hand. That is whatever. We've talked about whoever writes those descriptions. They are just phoning it in at their job. Phoning it in. We open with a jump scare. There's two jump scares in this episode. The first one comes from Kimberly's dog. The camera is right there, and the dog is eating out of her trash again. She's a relatable queen. We we love Kimberly. She's getting a pair of Oakleys out of her dog's mouth. I think his I think her dog's name was Smokey. I think Vicky then talks about her purebred pug Jake, and Kara talks about how there is a pug cult in Coto de Caza. She then talks about how pugs really do look like a mix between a dog and an alien. They do, but they are freaking cute. Pugs are so much cuter in person, too. They just are. We then jump to Gina's house and her sweet little dog that is obviously no longer alive um, because this aired back in 2006. And of course, we are now in 2024. But PETA we needed you. We needed you back then. Shane throws a freaking water bottle at this poor little puppy's head. Not only the puppy is ducked behind the couch and Shane calls its name and the puppy looks up and then he, he, he freaking grabs this empty water bottle and chucks it. He doesn't throw it. He chucks it at this dog's head. Gina's like, Hey, would you like it if I chuck something at your head? You should have, you should have smacked him, Gina, on the back of the head. Jesus. He's 18. My kids are five and seven and know not to be aggressive with animals. My God. The most aggressive they ever were was we had two puppies. We only have one now. Rest in peace, Juju. But we only have one now. But even when they were little babies, I mean, the second they would, you know, tug or try to climb up on the dogs to ride them, I would correct them. Because that's what you do as a parent, Gina. We then skip to Lori and her dog, which I think is just Ashley's dog. And she does seem like a really sweet dog owner. We then move to Slade. Uh, He starts mansplaining to Joe about taking care of the dogs. This is the thing. Joe was like, hey, Slade bought me two dogs, so I wouldn't be so lonely when I was at home. And Slade's like, Joe wanted dogs. So someone's lying. I think they both wanted dogs. Joe obviously has been at work all day. She, They're both enjoying some a very large glass of red wine. Slade's in work clothes. She's in work clothes. They're, you know, the dogs have the zoomies because I'm sure they've been cooped up all day. And Slade then goes, you need to go pick up the poopy like Joe's one of his kids. Ugh. I'm pretty sure, Slade, that you're capable of picking up the dog shit, too. Just saying Joe then makes her way to the backyard where she's picking up the poop and Slade is lurking, as he always does, because he wants to be in the camera scene, but he also wants to be the poop picking up supervisor, apparently. You know what? Pick up a glove, too, Slade, because you're an asshole. You're an, you can help her out, too. Those are both of your dogs. I hate always like, you know, Slade just or, you know, Joe just doesn't um, understand responsibility like I've had two kids I know what it's like to stay up late at night I know what it's like to change poopy diapers and Joe just doesn't get shut up Slade shut up oh, he just sets me he just sets me off Joe makes a joke about how you know she's tired of picking up the poop and she just wants to eat the dogs at this point Um, you know they all seem like really shitty pet owners to be perfectly honest except for Vicky and maybe Kimberly we then move to Gina and I'm are, I'm still pissed off at Gina. I'm pissed off at Gina that she raised Shane to be such a dick to animals because that is, that's not cool. Not cool. She talks about how blessed she is that she had her friends and coaches and un- uncle Richie step up to be there for her kids because she essentially has been raising her kids by herself without the help of her husband but, you know, someone, someone, I don't know, even Uncle Richie, as creepy as that guy is, someone should have knocked some sense into those kids to teach him how to properly, properly handle animals. We meet a Dr. Gideon Ariel, Ariel, who is helping Shane with biomechanics. Shane explains to us what biomechanics means. And according to Shane, it's just taking human motion and making it a stick figure and putting it inside a computer And using that data to come out with the outcome, I guess. I don't know what biomechanics is. Shane told me. I did look it up in simple terms on Google. I actually did Google biomechanics in simple terms. And according to Google, it's the application of mechanical principles to living organisms such as humans, animals, plants, and the functional basic units of life, the cells. Shane's explanation, I liked it better. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. I hate how he treats animals, but I liked his explanation of biomechanics better than Google. We then moved to sex talk with Kara. This is a big episode on the parenting of the mothers and the kids. So there's a lot of kids, which I don't appreciate. I like the dog segment other than the abuse and it, but it's a lot about parenting the kids. So this episode, it was good. It was okay. But just, just if, if this isn't, if, If watching these moms be moms, (laughs) these housewives be wives and moms isn't your thing, this episode might be a little hard to get through, but it's still interesting because it is back from 2000. And honestly, watching Shane chuck the water bottle at the dog was really, really hard for me to watch and continue to keep watching because I just can't stand that kid now. All right, we then moved to sex talk with Kara. Kara says that her mom seems like a sex kitten. I don't know who the hell her mom seems like a sex kitten to because she talks about her days with Playboy, which actually Gina Keo, I saw her unintentionally this week on The Playboy Murders on Max if you guys are watching that. It all features it's with Holly Madison star of girls next door which is one of my favorite reality shows which maybe someday i'll i'll do a couple of my favorite episodes of that too on the pod because i freaking love the girls next door i'm a huge girls next door fan um but she was on gina Keo was being interviewed for the playboy murders because one of the women that she knew was involved in like this brutal beating and rape that happened in the hamptons back in like the 80s and yeah. Anyway, if you want to watch that, that's on Max, The Playboy Murders. I think it's on season two uh, right now. The the Gina's on the latest episode that just aired this week, if you're curious about watching that. She looks fabulous, by the way. Gina Keogh has aged backwards. She looks better than she did back in 2006. She looks thinner. She looks like she has just aged like a fine wine. She looks amazing. So if you want to check out Gina Keogh, I mean, the subject matter is kind of not great, but she is on the latest episode of the Playboy Murders. Anyway, but when Carl's like, yeah, when people see my mom, they think sex kid and she's a big prude. No, I, I think Gina's a big prude. I think we all can agree that Gina is a big prude. Vicky then meets up with Lori and her friend, Lorelai. I finally figured out how to pronounce it because Vicky said it. I always thought it was either Laura Lee or Lorelai. It is Lorelai, like the Gilmore girls for dinner. Vicky bitches about Don finding a job. She's like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to actually feel sorry for the guy. Vicky then says that whenever they start bitching about their personal lives or problems that Lori, I don't know why this made me laugh, but she's like, well, whenever we start talking about problems, Lori's always going to talk it back about Josh. Which is true She starts talking about Josh Wanting to get out You know, she says Hey, I could have hired a lawyer He could already be out by now But honestly We just went with the public defender She wanted to kind of Teach Josh a lesson this time That there's consequences For his actions She does say though Hey, these 60 days That he's been in juvenile detention Has been She's actually gotten sleep Because she knows that he's safe Which, good for her Because Lori has a very stressful life We then switch to Brianna and Colby. So basically the segue here is, you know, how Vicky says that Brianna's been a piece of cake and Michael is way harder to raise, in her opinion. She says that she thinks boys are harder to raise because she has a son and a daughter and her son is harder. And obviously Lori has a son and two daughters and Lori's struggle is with Josh. So Vicky's basically saying, hey, I personally think the boys are harder, too which then takes us to Brianna and Colby who are not going to have sex before they are married. And they have a promise ring showing that. Vicky calls and she wants Brianna to come back home. Uh, Brianna and Colby are on a date at an Italian place. And now I'm craving Italian food so bad. Vicky isn't isn't taking no for an answer. She's like, hey, you guys have been hanging out all day. I haven't seen you in two days. Come home. You're not going to Newport with your boyfriend. You can go to dinner with him and then you can come home. Um, then Vicky shows up and she looks directly at the camera. And this is my second jump scare of the episode. She looks directly at the camera and she says, hi, princess. And I don't know if they said, Hey, can you look at the camera? Like you're talking to Brianna and say, hi, princess. She looks, Vicky looks so unhinged here. (laughs) Just this episode, skip past all of it. Just skip past everything and watch this one scene where Vicki looks right in the camera and says, hi, princess, and just looks completely unhinged. She looks like she's had six martinis. She's like, Brianna, you're coming home with me. Moving to Lori to go to Josh's hearing. The line to get into juvenile hall is crazy. I don't know. Like that is commitment. That is love right there. Because every time Lori shows up to get into juvenile hall for these hearings and these court dates, The line is insane. After a few more hours, she again leaves without Josh and has to come back in two days so he can finish up his 60 days. Slade is moving his movie mask and costumes collection. He starts talking about how, you know, him and his boys have had so much fun, you know, and once he started making money, they decided to spend some money on various Hollywood costumes and masks so they could kind of play and it would be like a fun thing he could do with his boys. I hardly recognized any of the masks or the costumes, but he does point out a $7,000 Batman costume that George Clooney wore. And I guess he has three of them. And Joe estimates he has about a $90,000 costume collection. And Gavin seems like a really good kid. This is the first time we're really hearing from Gavin. And his speech pattern is exactly like his dad's. At first, I was looking down, writing my notes, and I thought it was Slade talking, but sounded a little younger. And then I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Gavin he sounds just like his dad. It's crazy. I have a cousin who has a son that sounds exactly like him and it's kind of crazy because they were apart for the first, I want to say like 10, 12 years of this kid's life. And then he went to move in with my cousin and they sound exactly alike. Exactly. It's the whole nature versus nurture thing. And sometimes nature, it is, that nature is strong and that's what Gavin reminded me of when he started talking because I would go, oh, my gosh, she sounds just like Slade, but hopefully a better version. We moved to Vicki and Don and they bought a house to flip. So Don is basically out of her hair. He has a project. He has a job. Apparently, they bought this place for 700000 and they're hoping to make about a hundred to 150000 after the flip in profit. Uh, Michael then comes to visit Don. And at first, I think Michael is actually going to help Don out and have it be kind of a side job because they keep talking about how Michael needs a job. But then they show up that he's bailing and he's like, no, I got schoolwork to do. And then Don makes fun of him. You know, your typical dad joke about how he's like, oh, now all of a sudden you got schoolwork to do. Before you never cared, but now that there's work, actual physical labor to do, you want to do schoolwork. They then have a shot of Michael and his friend that are chilling out in Vicky and Don's grotto. And I mean, who wouldn't? What 19-year-old? wouldn't just spend their entire summers there or winters. It's, it's California. Year round, baby. Year round. I mean, that grotto looked so amazing. Lori and Sophie are ready for Josh to come home. Sophie made him a very sweet sign. Steve's there too. Steve's there too. And I get why she brought Steve. So Steve could watch Sophie while she goes in to get Josh and bring him out. But then Steve needs to go. Bye bye. Bye-bye. So they have this great family reunion and everything, but Steve's still there. He's still driving. He's, he's there. He goes to the haircut. They get Josh a haircut because they basically say in juvenile hall that you can either get a buzz cut or you can grow it long. So they get him a haircut at Tony and guys. They go on a Ferris wheel. They go to a nice lunch. Steve's there for all of it. Bye-bye, Steve. Bye-bye. This is not your family. You and Lori are only friends. I know you want more. I know you want more. But Lori, it's like, why are you bringing him? You can drive. You have a license. I understand that you need to bring someone to watch Sophie. Maybe you felt bad because you're like, well, he watched Sophie for me while I went. No, you get behind, say, Steve, okay, I'm going to switch your spots. You can get in the passenger side. Let's drop you off so I can have a nice moment with my son and my daughter. And we can have honest talks and chats and make him feel comfortable. It's weird. It's Lori made some questionable decisions there. It's Father's Day at Coto de Casa, and Joe and the boys are surprising Slade with a one hour massage. And then after the massage, they're going to go to the beach for a picnic. They're going to the store. Joe's just like, again, it's emphasizing Joe not really being ready for motherhood, saying, Oh my gosh, you know, it's Gavin was such a huge help, but Grayson, you know, when you take Grayson anywhere, it takes twice as long, which is true. (laughs) I have a five and a seven-year-old and just getting jackets on, boots on, making sure they have their backpacks, making sure they have snacks, their waters. It's a lot. Bathroom breaks. That's the big thing. My seven-year-old's really good, but my five-year-old's its like, go potty. I know potty triggers people. I still say potty. I still say potty as an adult too. I don't care. Potty, potty, potty. It doesn't matter to me. But it definitely is emphasizing it's it's reiterating the fact that Joe is just like, I don't know if motherhood's for me yet. Kimberly takes Scott and the family to the beach and she gives this framed tobacco cigar label with tobacco leaves. on. It's like a piece of art. Why would you drag that to the beach? Why would you haul that to the beach? Kimberly, come on now. Kimberly then gives Scott the ugliest bracelet to match his ugly shirts that is silver and gold. And she said, oh, the price point was okay. It was under two grand. Two grand. Two grand for that. It is the ugliest bracelet I have ever seen. Uh, yuck. Money cannot buy you taste. I know Luanne de Lesseps says money can't buy you, class. Money can't buy you taste. Vicki and Brianna are on a girls date and Vicki tells Brianna that their biological father, Michael, started crying the other day when he was in Illinois helping Vicki's mom with like some handiwork, I guess, handyman work, or maybe he was at his mom. I don't know. He saw a picture of Brianna and Michael Jr. as kids and he started crying. It was like, where is the time gone? Then Vicky guilts Brianna into calling their biological father so that he can know who she is. Stop it, Vicki, stop. That is not Brianna's job. That is not Michael's job. That is their dad's job to have a relationship with those kids. Don't put that burden on them. No, 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 no. He is the parent. They are the children. It is the parents' job to reach out. I don't care if they're adults. I don't care if they're legally adults. It is the parents' job to facilitate, to nurture a relationship. If they don't do that, it is not up to the kids to, if the kids want to reach out, sure, but don't guilt them. Don't say the reason why you don't have a relationship with your dad is because you need to reach out more. F that Vicki. No, stop it right now. I'm a big sister wives fan. And that's it. It's like super triggering because I just, that's what Cody does with his sister wives and with the kids. And once the kids get to a certain age, he's like, well, they don't reach out to me. Screw you, Cody. Screw you, Cody Brown. And Vicki, Stop. Stop it. It is the it is the parents' job to have a relationship with their children where the children want to reach out, where the children feel like they need to update their mom or their dad about what's going on. It is not the kid's job to be like, hey, my dad hasn't called me in a couple of years. Let me reach out to him. Uh no. We then moved to Colton. He has had his hand surgery. Um, oh, I don't even think do we even talk about that? I might have skipped over that in the notes because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. But basically, Colton broke his hand because he punched one of his friends or one of his ex-friends because he was... Gina was telling us a story and Gina gets zero detail. She's like, yeah, so apparently one of Colton's friends was like smoking weed or buying weed and Colton was like, stop that. And then the friend said something about his family or his house or his dog or that we were animal abusers or something. And Colton just punched him and then broke his hand. So then Colton's having surgery for that. We then go into, if I was Kara and if I was Shane, I would be so upset right now. Basically, Matt says that if God were to put a hand on any of his children, it would be Colton. Gina says Colton is his, is her best work as a parent. What? What? that is crazy to me how you could so overtly favor a child like that. They're saying, you know, he is the brightest. He is the best. He's the smartest kid they have. He's the most talented athletically kid they have. It's like, oh my gosh. Plus poor Colton, like the pressure of that. And then the parents like saying that on national TV, it's crazy. It's crazy. She basically says that she doesn't believe in overparenting. Yeah, we we got that, Gina. We got that. You don't believe in details. You don't believe in overparenting. And um, she says, if you overparent, you get Shane, who you have to guide him through everything. Well, you know what? I don't think you overparent Shane because if you overparented Shane, you would guide him to not throw water bottles at dogs' heads. There you go, Gina. Gina then, of course, wants to have a heart to heart with Colton after his surgery and ask him a million questions. And as someone that had three surgeries last year, the last thing you want to do after surgery is talk. You just want to sleep. Leave Colton alone. And Colton's got a bit of an attitude with Gina, but I kind of don't blame him. He's he's exhausted. He's tired. He just wants to sleep. Leave him alone, Gina. Kimberly then talks about being healthy with the kids. They're doing like a fun little dance class, it looks like and she talks about her struggles with skin cancer and uh, as a cancer survivor myself I totally understand her philosophy about living in the moment and not to let fear cripple you and she wants to put that message to her children as well she is going to go have a mole biopsied by her doctor and she's kind of freaked out but she's also like I've had a ton of biopsies most of them come back benign So she's not too concerned about this particular mole that her doctor wants biopsied. We then go to Michael, who has a job delivering pizzas one night a week. So he did, in fact, get a job. It's a very part-time job. You have to remember, too, delivering pizzas before GPS and before Google Maps, that was a job. Navigating, having to, to put directions into the computer and try to find a place or try to know where places were that that is hard and i doordash and i still had google maps and it was always like when i doordash it would always be like the apartment on the fifth floor which is which is fine but <laughs> it's i doordash to make a little extra money and i was like what is happening why is it always the people on the fifth floor of apartments that need doordash but so he's struggling to find this apartment complex of course he's like he's in flip-flops get some sneakers, dude. Like you got to be practical here. And he made $4, which he said, that'll buy me a couple beers, which where he's buying beers where you can get two for $4 is beyond me, but good for him. Vicki and Lori are talking about work and Vicky's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing so crappy. And Lori's like, well, you've been gone. I'm getting all your leads. So I feel like I'm crushing it. And they decide to go have some wine at, in Vicky's backyard spa slash pool slash grotto. Vicky and Lori are in swimsuits and Michael and his friends start talking about how gorgeous Lori is and, you know, they're talking about being a MILF. Once again, MILF this, MILF that. Lori's like, I was so offended at first and now it's such a compliment. I'll tell you what, as someone who is not a MILF and will never be considered a MILF, I'm more of a mom I'd like a ride from, you know? And that would be a compliment to be called a MILF. It would be. But I don't think I'm going to be called that ever and that is also okay. Back to Joe and Slade. Slade wants a date night with Joe. Joe's even like this is so nice because our relationship has been so serious lately that it's nice to just go on a go-kart date and of course Slade wants to make a bet. He says if Joe wins she gets a Louis Vuitton bag and if he wins he gets her in a French maid outfit and she has to dust the whole house. Spoiler alert Slade wins and he pets her face. Joe is then in her French maid outfit with Slade supervising going things like she's bending over, she's she's doing, and I actually think I thought this was kind of hot at the time which now looking back I'm like gross Ange how could you think that that was hot yuck now it's so gross to me but time just makes you look at things differently I guess and experience but Joe is kind of bending over, she's in the French maid outfit, she's She's got her duster. She's got the pledge. And, you know, Slate just like, of course, he's supervising once again, not lifting a finger. And he's like, that's my girl. Yeah. Ooh, make sure you get down. Make sure you get down there real good. Yeah. Ugh. They then go up to the bedroom and uh, we, we can just let our imaginations run wild there um, for 54 seconds of pleasure that Joe experienced. Kimberly gets a call from her doctor. She has a malignant mole. It's her fifth one. Um, of course, she gets emotional. She starts talking about how she's not afraid of dying and leaving her family. Um, oh, she talks about how she's really not afraid of dying, but she is afraid of leaving her family because she knows that no one will love them like she loves them. And mm, I get like emotional and choked up because... I know what that's like to get that phone call of you have cancer and it is spread to your lymph nodes and waiting to see if it's spread anywhere else and waiting to see what your treatment plan is and hoping and praying that you beat it and that you also get to see your kids grow up and you get to grow old with your husband. Um, Yeah, so definitely got choked up on that part because I could totally relate to what Kimberly was thinking and experiencing and feeling and yeah, that was that one got me. And also we have no idea who Rob is. No idea who Rob is. So that's where we're going to end off the episode. It's funny because last week I recapped Vanderpump Rules and I cried. I didn't cry during my recap of it, but I cried watching it and I cried watching this too. So next week we're going to try not to cry as much about the Just cancer storylines. Just, I mean, take me out, take me out each time. Anyway, that is pretty much what happened. A lot of parenting stuff, and also some serious stuff with the cancer. Um, season one, episode five, cut the pea and the lem out of problem, and you get Rob. We still don't know who Rob is. I. The problem is Slade. I'll tell you that. The problem is Shane. Uh, the problem is cancer. The problem is a lot of things, but the problem is not Rob. So... Thank you so much for joining me once again. Remember, I'm doing my Vanderpump Rules recaps of this current season every Friday and every Tuesday, Real Housewives of Orange County season one episodes are dropping. Please leave me a five-star review. I have a couple five-star reviews and that's awesome. I'm shooting for like 10 and also I'm up to eight subscribers. So I would also like 10 of those as well those are my goals for this week. And also not to cry anymore because life is good and beautiful on the other side of cancer. And yeah, it's great. Now I get a chance to see my boys grow up, which is freaking awesome. All right. Thanks again, guys, for listening. I will see you next time. Bye.